fueling up for change, you're going to think that like we got together and talked about this because I do hit on some culture in here. Maybe it's a lot about culture. Um, but I got to tell you a story because Brad really inspired me to, to kind of tell a story about us needing some, some really good feedback on this and some affirmation. So about two years ago, uh, two and a half, we, we had this TED talk a bit that we do at Bellarmine. It's kind of neat. Like a lot of schools do it. And so we got picked up. It's called TEDx. And I thought it'd be so awesome to do a TED talk. Right? Like that's just looks cool. I want to do it. But so I put in a you know proposal for one. They picked it up. So I got to do this TED talk on bias and artificial intelligence. And I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I might think that probably a little biased. And so I did this talk and they recorded it and it was, you know, kind of a local thing, but it went over pretty well. So, so well that like the national TED organization picked it up and put it on their YouTube channel. And I'm thinking, this is awesome, right? Got this TED Talk, so I'm on this YouTube channel, and I'm kind of watching it, and I'm seeing these people come in, like, like, like. I'm seeing dozens of likes. I'm thinking, this still pretty good. Like, and then I look, there's a couple comments. This guy puts out a comment, what a hack. Like, this guy's terrible. It was just like, there's like a bunch of likes. You know, I, you know, I just, <laughs> it's been two years, you know, and I'm still, like, I'm carrying that baggage. So, and there was like another thing. So, so that, but I will tell you, so I got a little bit of recovery, because, a couple of months ago, I got to go give a talk at a university. A little bit smaller group, but we were talking about some specific, you know, tactical things. And no joke, I had people crying and hugging, like during that. And it was like, and it's like good tears and hugs, like they were coming together. And I thought, okay, that felt really good. So I need some more hugs. I need some tears today. So we're gonna need a little hugs. Uh, and I mean, no. No pressure, but it made me so great. And I think that's what we're all about. So, uh, feeling up for change. So this is this is the talk. Um, we'll tie a little bit into uh, some things Brad hit on, but you know, the, the I guess the genesis thinking about this, we're talking about things as you're moving into leadership or maybe, um, you know, so practical applications for leadership that, that help. And so I'm gonna try to bring some of those, um, maybe some, some very, very practical grounding. So this is me. Um, if you want to grab an email, I don't. Maybe on here at the end, or I'm sure you can find it in some of the materials. But just so you know, I'm the CIO of Element, so right down the street. So this is super handy. Um, I've been there working on 11 years. Before that, I spent 13 years at a bank. So I kind of have this weird, like higher ed and very high corporate background. And I can tell you, it's very different. So higher ed is a, a very different, diffused leadership structure and. Um, an interesting community, but it's given me some, some you know, specter or perspective at both ends of the spectrum. So that's me. Um, and just a little bit of table setting, because I think this is important and hopefully a little freeing for everybody in here. I mean, these are just stories from things I've seen on my journey, so I'm sharing them. Pick and choose. If you think this works, it might work. Maybe it works for you. Uh, maybe it doesn't. Um, and it's just one model, right? There's a lot of ways to accomplish things. And I learn new things every day. I mean, I've learned things. I'm sitting here and, you know, you were talking about what are you thinking about? And I'm thinking about, oh, I want to go change that slide based on something you said. And I'm like, how do I get to it? But, you know, so, uh, you know, so I learned, I learned things just today I would maybe do different. So know that. And another thing that I just love to kind of share anytime I do a talk, because I think this is so freeing and so true. Um, I mean, everybody in here is smart, right? You're not here if you're not smart. We're in technology. We've got a lot of smart people in this room. And I think sometimes we all get very intimidated 
because we just think, I don't know all the things. I, I crave knowing all the things. I need to get into the details. I need to understand it. You talk about those conversations where you come into and it's like you want to know the answer before you ask. Someone look dumb. I feel that, right? And I feel like everybody in here probably knows way more than me. But the truth is, like, this, we all know things and we overlap in some areas and some places we're way deeper. I mean, we're all probably experts in areas that not everybody in this room is. And these places we overlap in our Venn diagram. These are our touch points, right? These are places that we touch, we connect. And in reality, this is how we really kind of form our opinions about people and kind of understand, you know, maybe judge and figure out how confident people are in different areas. I think it's important to recognize that, but also important to free ourselves into knowing like, we don't know it all. Let's build those communities. Let's rely on each other, right? So they could ties them nicely. So a couple of table setting things, but let's talk about this. I, the main point I want to make is fueling up for change, right? If you want to make change in an organization, like how do you do that? What are some practical ways? How do you begin to build what I would call the change capital? That you can begin to have things that, that you're going to have to spend as you move through that change. So how do you build up that bank to begin to spend from? And so I think you start with what's your why. So, so many times uh, you may see situations where we're going to make a change and we're making a change for the sake of change. We don't really know why we're doing it. There's this new thing, whatever it is, it's shiny, it's new, it's gonna be cool, so let's do it. But what's your why? Why are you doing it? If you don't know why you're doing it, if you can't articulate why you're doing it, if you can't make that just a recurring theme that you bring back in, it's not work. And, and even if it does work, why did you do it? What was the benefit, right? So really understanding what that why is. Why are you doing this? What's the goal to find the goal? Uh, make sure that that goal is communicated that people understand it as critical. And it's, it's simple, right? And then realize this, right? Like everybody wants change. Change is cool, right? It's the buzzword. We gotta be change. Everybody wants change. But in reality, nobody wants to change. And then maybe they expect that you'll be that change, right? Like you'll change. Okay, we're gonna change, but that's you. That's, that's your change, that's your area, that's your department, whatever it is. But it's not me, because you know I, I think change is great, but I don't, I don't want to change. So I think recognizing that, understanding that is important. And especially when we think about it in terms of we're the IT professionals, right? Because I think, you know, and you can uh, agree or disagree, but generally, um, I don't think anybody really knows what we do anyway, right? In an IT organization, it's a lot of magic. That's my thing, it's, it's just magic. And so, you know, we could talk about how the world has changed in the past 20 years, especially, but in reality, like, You've got the business and you want to make change, you want to impact change, and you know you're the central part. You know, probably as the IT organization, like you see all the pieces of it, right? You understand, you know that this department is underutilizing these tools or whatever, but, but you can't get that point out, right? It just burns in you, but it's a hard point to express. And from the top end, looking down, it's like, what's that you do? They're just noisy, they're just in the way, they just say no, they're just such a problem. But we're strapped with all of these challenges. Like we have to maintain the business. We have to run the business. We have to maintain the steady state. There's all these things that have to happen. Like you get it, you feel it, and, and you've got to do that. And that takes a number of your resources, your effort. And then if you want to grow that, you want to expand the capabilities that you have built on say platforms that you have today, well, that takes effort, right? That doesn't just happen. You don't just wish that into existence. So you've got to dedicate some intentionality resources, effort to making that happen. And then if you want to transform something, you want to innovate, you want to make that massive change, 
well, that's big, right? But you got to still run the business. You can't, we can't sleep on it. You can't give it up. So it's a, it's a huge challenge. You get stretched. And as more and more things become maybe easier to achieve through the cloud, from the business point of view, these things that you're doing kind of get diminished value from uh, maybe executive leadership. And so, you know, like I said, magic, I tend to think, I, I love this, you know, the third adage of Mark Plot, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I do think that to many people, what IT does is magic, right? Um, so that, you know, sort of allowed me to craft Saturday's law. And my first edge is, edge is, is just enjoy the magic, right? Because sometimes we get, but, but it is, like, just enjoy it. So, but this getting real is what I would say the crisis is. So this is some great research done by Glossary several years ago, and it talks about the quiet IT crisis. And if you haven't seen this, I think it's really powerful, and it really puts to an image, I think, the challenge, the struggle that we all feel, which is, you know, we're trying to operate things, we're trying to operate the technology stack, the platform, we're trying to deliver these services. And, you know, you, you do that, you've got to worry about security, backups, all of this stuff, and, and you've got this performance path that you're running. You're probably not getting to add more and more resources into that stack, but we've got all these demands that are brought on us from the world, from the consumers, right? And some of those are brought from a business point of view, and some of them are brought because people are home using their stuff, and like, this tech is amazing, it's cool, like, why can't we have that? This is so easy. Um, and so there are all these new and new demands that are really driven by a lot of like SaaS solutions um, heavily in our space, but that starts to pull, the business pull on IT. Maybe they'll come to IT to ask for support on something, and you're like, oh, you know, we can get to that in six months, and they're like, okay, that's great. And they go away, but they didn't go away. They still want the thing, and now they've gone and done it, and they've done it in some other way. You know, they've bought some service on their credit card. They have blown in tons of your data into this thing that you don't even know exists over here, right? So if we're talking about shadow IT that starts to pop up everywhere, and it's just this big gap. It's a big risk to the business, and they don't even realize it's a risk, and you realize it's a risk, and you're you know screaming and. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't land. And so it's a lot of challenges. And so, you know, kind of two, two images that make the same point, but, you know, the consumerization, this inflection point, and this rate of change of technology that's happening to us in the world, it's just happening. It's, out, it's outpacing what we can metabolize, how fast we can internalize that. We can turn it into business process that we can operate. So there, there are big challenges. And, and it becomes it an opportunity. Like it's cool that we run a stable and secure and safe business, but if it's not doing anything, if it's not, you know, enabling the business and really driving uh, the impact that our organization is trying to make, then what do you matter, right? So both perspectives are very valid uh, and need to find a way to come together. So I set all that up to say, you know, we have challenges, but change can happen. Right? I'm not all saying like, this is just bad, we're doomed and it's tough and we can't change. And, and change can happen. And it does happen, right? We can plan for a future change. We can say, we want to make this change, let's do it. Um, let's, let's build a program, let's build out this project, let's, let's prep this change. Or change can just happen, right? I mean, who knows, right? An earthquake could hit right now. Change will happen in an instant. And then we're going to react to it. Now that's obviously very dramatic. But those changes can happen in our business, uh, in our personal lives, whatever. Um, and so you'll be reacting to the change 
or if we're fortunate enough to have the chance to be proactive about how we approach a change. But it does happen. So I think in any big change initiative that you have the chance to plan for, um, your first step is to really change the culture or build the culture. Uh, so kind of to the point. But if we want to change the culture, I think it's important to remember that there are barriers to the success. Um, and here are some of the common things that happen uh, when we're trying to, to sort of you know, push for or drive a change. People have a tendency to suffer in advance. So it's like, oh, this is gonna be terrible. I don't wanna do this. Oh, here we go again. Whatever it is, like they're just suffering. And my grandmother used to say, um, you know, she would tell me I'd be worried about something. She's like, Eric, don't buy problems you don't have, right? And I think it's so true. We just, that's, that's our tendency. And then we also have this attitude, uh, by and large, that if you failed at something, you're gonna fail again. Like, oh, we tried that before. And let me tell you, a university, I don't know about how it goes at your place, but that is all over the place. Like, oh, we tried that three years ago, never gonna happen. Well, a lot changes in three years, right? People, technology, the world. Um, and then there's this idea that no one can ever be unhappy. So we can't change. Well, that's, oh, you know, that's gonna disrupt, uh, you know, Sam's thing that he does over there. Um, and that's gonna be tough, so we can't do it. Um, and then there are the emotions. So lots of, lots of emotions would change. And, and I like this uh, a lot. This you know, image, it really shows like the emotional cycle of change. And I think sometimes if you've done it right and you've built like we're gonna do this thing and it's exciting and you've built this enthusiasm, you can kind of whip the crowd up and get everybody excited that we're gonna do this change. And so maybe you can get this euphoria or optimism of this initiative that you're going to do. And everybody, maybe you'll have that big kickoff meeting. Everybody comes, you know, we're, uh, we're singing and dancing, um, doing the hugging, and uh, everybody's very optimistic. But it's really uninformed. They really don't know what's going to happen. This change is going to be great. Right? We're going to do this thing. It's going to be over today. It'll be fantastic. So they're very uninformed, but at least they're optimistic, right? And then you get into it. You start to go, the weeks turn into months, and people become very uh, informed about the change, the process, what you're going through. But generally, a lot of pessimism comes in at that point because they're pretty down. Oh my gosh. And you know, as you roll through that, you go into the valley of despair. Sometimes we call that the trough of disillusionment. And that's when people start to queue up like Bruce Springsteen and the glory days kick in. Like, oh, you remember that old system we had? That was amazing. We never had this happen with that. That was so great. And people start to kind of find their voice in that. It's just remember yesteryear of, oh, you know, I mean, I know it was, we had to take it down every Friday for maintenance, but it was great. Those were, those were great Fridays. Um, you know, we just hugged a lot. And uh, it's just a, but maybe then you start to get the wins, right? And so you turn the corner. And so people get a little optimistic now. Well, maybe this is better. Um, but now that's a great optimism. That's so much better than your initial optimism because now it's informed, right? It's such real. It's, it's something that existed that happened. So you get some excitement and you begin to build that um, enthusiasm back. And then you're on your way to successful change. But I think any change you go through, it's important to recognize before you go into it, like you're gonna go through this. So as a leader, like you better be ready because there's just nothing's perfect. And even when you think you've got a plan, you've laid it, this is gonna be great. You're gonna hit things, it's good. there are gonna be hiccups, there are gonna be unhappy people, and you just need to know that going in. It doesn't mean don't do it, not at all, right? 
but these are just things like fueling up for it. How do we prepare and get ready for all that? So I think this is a really good way of looking at things when you start to think about how do you have that necessary culture for change? So, you know, as well, we're all familiar with this, right? We live in our best life if our basic needs are taken care of. I mean, if you think about that, at the foundation, we don't have to worry about some of these things like, you know, we're being fed, we've got shelter, right? We, we feel safe. And maybe that's emotionally safe. Um, but if we're doing that, you know, then we're really living our best life. So if you think about that from this kind of pyramid approach, I found this adaptation of kind of like the IT value hierarchy. So how do we start to have like a paradigm shift, a massive change, right? You do that by meeting some of these basic needs, you know, infrastructure needs, security, stability. And so I found this and I, I not totally sure what was founded online somewhere, so I don't know who came up with this originally, um, but I thought about that a lot. And so one of the things that I did years ago with that was kind of craft this into a framework that we use a lot at Bellarmine. So I think this is really useful. And then I, I kind of drive this through the lens of saying, okay, we have to have these foundational elements taken care of. And, you know, I define these as recoverability, stability, reliability, and governance. Like, those things are foundational and critical. And if I'm doing that well, I can begin to support these sort of higher order processes, these higher order components, ultimately driving to the fact that the only thing the users out of the business side care about is the experience. That's really it. I mean, they're not interested in this stuff. It's important. That's magic. Right? We just got magic going on in here. I don't care. What's the experience? If it's a terrible experience, if they're not going to be engaged with it and invested in it, it's not going to go well. So it's important that the business side understand and use this as kind of a communication sort of, you know, I guess icon that we can use to talk to where I'm able to help them see you're interested in this, but to give you a great experience, I got to have these things. So we've got to think about that. We've got to build for that. And then on the IT side, or you know, kind of the, the technology side, we can come back and say, okay, we're driving for this experience, but we have to do it from building a solid and excellent foundation. And actually, like a lot of the projects that we do, we kind of build off of a heat map with this um, to, to help people see sort of where the effort is being spent. So when that ebbs and flows at different times, but I think these are really useful tools, and I'll tell you maybe a couple of stories about a former president that we had at Bellarmine. And one time I showed this in a leadership meeting, and he started to you know, debate with me over the order of some of these things. And I thought, okay, like now we're getting it. Like he's is invested in this to begin to say, I think we ought to flip recoverability and security. Um, and I don't really care, right? But this foundational level is what we see as important. I'm not trying to say, you know, one through four, but just the idea that we're so invested that you recognize that those are important. And you maybe think one's more important than the other. I think we're now we're really getting into the, the culture starting to change. You're recognizing that it's not just that easy to have the trip experience. So I think this is useful too. And like I said, engage your community, communicate with this. I got this poster everywhere. Um, through our IT organization, slap it up on walls. I mean, that stuff's cheap, but it just helps people. Kind of, you have these visual reminders if you're walking through there. You see these things, these icons, and then evangelize this, right? Just go out, talk about it any chance I get. Uh, I love doing it. So we would have town halls. I'd throw this up. I'd talk about this. A lot of times I call this the iceberg. 
and you know you see the experience that's the top part of the iceberg sitting out but there's a lot of things that are underneath the iceberg and so i throw this up to say it so then there's times you know when it sinks in like i said my president was interested in the order of those things so another story one saturday night a couple years many years ago um, i get one of the texts that you know we all hate in that's like we've got a drive failure on you know one of our sands happened to be one of our backup targets one drive-in array was down. It's like 10 o'clock on a Saturday, and I'm looking like I'm the closest to campus. So I'm texting with some of the team, and I'm like, oh, all right, I'm just going to go. I'm close. I'll go. My son and I were out somewhere. So I'm like, get the car. We're going to work. And he's like, oh, here we go. So we roll down, and, you know, fun fact, I don't have keys to get in everywhere on my campus. So I get there. i got to call public safety. So wait, one of the officers comes over. I knew him pretty well. So we go into the building. Um, where this where this drive is and then we're kind of walking in and he's like man it's 11 o'clock on Saturday what are you doing here and I was like oh we had a drive failure he's like oh you mean we're, we're, we're down and I was like oh no we're not there this is nothing you would even notice and in fact if I didn't even come in until month like nobody probably would even have noticed this and he's like oh so this is something I don't I don't see and I was like right he's like is this one of those iceberg things you're always talking about and I was like, dude, like you just made it all worthwhile, right? Coming in here, because this is a guy in public safety who's super important, but we do very different things, but he paid enough attention and we've talked about this enough just to understand like the value that we bring and how that all ties together and supports the experience, right? Mission, sitting up top. So that's one of those ways where it's like, okay, I think we got a little bit of change capital, you know? Um, so then, what do you do? Go and build consensus? Because that would be great, right? No one can be unhappy, so let's all get on the same page. But here's the thing, especially as your organizations get bigger and bigger, you're not going to build consensus. That is not possible. Um, but maybe compromise is, right? So maybe if you can shift the thinking to begin to focus on this culture of compromise, you're going to have success. And that's really getting everybody into the mindset of saying we're investing in the success of the organization, not my department or not me. You know, I'm not doing this piece of tech because I want to learn this language. I don't know about you all. We, we have that argument. Like, well, this would be the cool way to do it. Oh, okay. be cool, but for what purpose, you know? It's going to cost us a lot more time, um, and we've got a lot more risk in something that we don't know. Uh, so, you know, one example, but helping people begin to see, like, on a grander scale, maybe in my functional area, I had to do a little bit more work, but if I get this data tight over here, I will benefit ripples throughout the organization of making things better for all of these colleagues uh, across my organization. And you can't just go to this one department and say, you need to do it this way, but help them understand what's your why. Why are we doing this? What makes sense? How do we, how do we really impact the entire organization? So I think that's important. You just think, okay, they may never agree, but if you can help them understand and realize, like, you need to compromise a little bit, you can, you can really do great things. So I would suggest, as you're thinking through, like, you know, how do you pull off a big change? How do you get ready for that? Um, you know, you can't always pick your opportunity, but you can always be prepared, right? And so... Um, think be prepared and then hope for your opportunity and that's when you're going to get lucky. So I'll give you a couple of stories of just situations that worked out for me uh, in a fantastic way. So one of the things that I wanted to do early on in coming to Bellarmine was kind of do some physical space reorganizations. And so I had like a map 
built of what it is that I wanted to do. And every time I knew I was gonna be around my president, I always had that on paper in my pocket, right? Because I just didn't know if maybe the opportunity would present itself to talk about it, and if it did, I wanted to be ready. Well, one time um, we were on, we, Mellorin has a trolley, and so he was taking some people that had come in for a visit out on a trolley ride, and we're going up and down the highlands on this trolley, and he had asked me to come because they were like technical people, and she said, I just need you to be a few feet away from me and stop me from saying anything stupid, right? So, but it was like we had a good rapport like that. And uh, so near the end, we're kind of on the trolley going back, and he just, you know, asked me, he's like, do you got anything you want to do? And I said, actually, I do. And he, he was like, what? And I said, well, I want to make these space changes. He's like, well, what are you thinking? And I said, this is what I'm thinking? And he's like, are you kidding me? And so he looked at it, and he just pulled a pen out, and he signed it. He's like, approved, right? So that was, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to go. But, you know, just, like, be prepared. Maybe the opportunity presents itself. I mean, I had that piece of paper in my pocket for probably a year. Uh, and then the opportunity arose. I'll tell you another story um, about it that's just, I think, helps. So this was Dr. McGowan, so he was, he's passed away. But we were talking about a big change in one of our core systems on campus. And it's hard to really make that real to people at the top for good reasons. Like, he's got problems I don't have, right? We all have, we bring different things to this organization. But I was trying to really explain, like, what was broken in our core and we're talking about Christmas cards one day. And he loved Christmas. Like this was a guy, he was so into it. You know, he loved coming up with the message for the Christmas cards. That was his big thing. He'd write poems. So excited about it. But he hated Christmas because he would send these Christmas cards out and they'd always come back. You know, wrong address. I told you last year I moved, blah, 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 whatever. It would be a train wreck and sending the stuff out. And he's like, Eric, why <laughs> is this a train wreck every year? And I was like, because we got our address data to places, you know, and we're not managing this. And he's like, well, that makes sense, right? And so, I mean, it sounds silly and simple, but like things like that where on the business side, oh my gosh, like it's, it's the light bulb. I didn't need to talk about, oh, we've got, you know, sloppy data. I needed to talk about why Christmas cards didn't work, right? And you want to make a change, like maybe get out of some of the weeds on that and help people understand like how it has the impact. So another thing, um, when you're thinking about this, like, remember your why. I'm all about the why. And so when we did this change, uh, one of the things that, well, we named it. I'm a big fan of naming things so people can kind of quickly map that back to what it is that you're doing. So we were deciding if we wanted to replace this core system. And so our project, and this was years ago, back when this was way cooler, but it was embrace or replace. And then when we decided that we would replace, we just made it our replace. So embrace our replace key is you, right, all that fun stuff. But we had this huge poster made. And so kind of organically in one meeting, we were talking about it, and it was one of the big kickoff meetings where we've got a lot of optimism, but it's very uninformed, and I just wanted to push that up a little higher. And we, like, randomly had an altar call. Like, come on down, let's sign it, you know? And so, and I mean, it's like everybody on our campus signed it. So, like, the big signature in the middle actually is our women's basketball coach. This is like the ERP system, right? But I'm like, yeah, we're gonna get the basketball coach out there. You know, you better believe I had Scotty Davenport out there, like whipping up the crowd. And we're just, you know, kind of building that 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 change capital, building the fuel to be ready to sustain this because I knew things were gonna go sideways. We hit hiccups. It was gonna be down. Why are we doing this? Bruce Springsteen's playing. You know, it's this all this. So, your goal in managing any of these changes, right? is to realize you're gonna have a period of disruption. 
you're in some current state of productivity and performance, you're making a change, presumably, because you want to get to a better desired state. This is our goal, right? We want to improve things. But to do it, you're going to go through some period of disruption. There's just no doubt about it. So if you do it well, you know, hopefully you can hit this green line. You're going to disrupt some things. There's going to be an opportunity cost. Of course there is. You're making a change. You're coming off of a stable performance path. Everybody might think, mistakenly, that it's going to be the you know, red line. Like, it's just going to be better tomorrow. I'm getting incrementally better every day, and it's going to be fantastic. But if you don't do it right, you could hit this blue line where it's just terrible. And probably somewhere down at the bottom, you know, that's where I'm coming to this event next time and saying, yep, looking for a journey. Need somebody that can really rock one of these bottom out blue lines. I got it, you know. So knowing that going in and not kind of fooling yourself that this is going to be great, but just preparing, getting yourself stocked, fueled up for the things that could go sideways is important. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of things that I think are, are just useful takeaways. And so I don't know if, you've, if you look at strategic planning and you think about change through this lens, but I love this one because technology is really hard to predict um, what's gonna happen. And so I like this three horizon strategic model where we're operating, you know, if we think about run, grow, transform, kind of turning it into these horizons, we're living in horizon one. Horizon one where we are, and as a leader, I've got to put some of my resources in each of these, and I've got to figure out what that is, right? But to figure out where I'm putting those resources, I really need to know like what I need to get into Horizon, what the expectation of that Horizon is. So we're operating in Horizon 1. Most of our resources are in that run state. I want to get to Horizon 3. This is my desired future state. But to do that, I'm going to move through Horizon 2, right? So I have to be kind of putting fuel, I have to be driving each of these horizons and then recognize them that that's, that's what time looks like for me. So, I mean, I know that's kind of very like ethereal, but uh, I think it's a useful framework to look at. And another, um, I think, really cool thing that like, take, take this away, like how to be an expert, thinking about change. Um, I, I mean, it's a little crass, but I absolutely love this. Like, you wanna be great at this change and sustaining this change, Put your mindset into, how do I kick ass? Like, I want to be an expert. And so anytime you start doing something, you start trying this, maybe this is change, or maybe we're talking about leadership. Like, you're like, okay, I, I just suck at this. I give up. You're, you're in that dropout zone. Like, it doesn't happen. You're very frustrated. It didn't go great. You didn't keep pushing. Um, and you drop out, right? Or the amateur approach. Maybe you just grind on this enough to where it's kind of working but you don't kind of keep refining, going back, pushing, trying to grow that. Um, and then you get to that amateur level. But I would encourage you in any of these endeavors, if it's change or leadership development, things like that, like just say, hey, I did it, it's pretty good, I can do better, right? And keep that mindset of, you know, you could call it continuous improvement, but I say just focus on being an expert. If that's your goal, Keep driving towards that. Tell yourself there's a better way. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. So this has been a really useful thing. And I use this a lot to kind of challenge our teams on different things that we're doing. I was like, in all of these endeavors, let's be an expert. And for us at a university, one of the ways that I feel like we know that we're being an expert is when other schools come and ask us how we do this, right? So if we throw that out as like a cultural totem for us to say, we want to be the school that people come to to ask questions. Because if we're doing that, I think we're doing great. So I gave you five takeaways um, from this, and I think this ties a little bit back, Brad, too. Um, 
you know, change is possible even if you fail before, and you probably will fail. It's just, it's gonna happen. I fail all the time. Um, for change to be sustained, it's gotta be a part of the culture. So talking a little bit about culture, we were talking about culture earlier, like, you can have this great strategy document, throw it down, but if it's not in the culture, if you don't, you know, if you do this thing and then you don't build the mechanisms or have the fuel there to sustain the change, you'll backslide, it's, it's, not, gonna, it's not gonna last. We didn't talk a bunch about this, but empower all the levels of your organization um, to make these changes sustained and really understand what you should change. I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Lewis, um, but he's got a concept called six levels down, or the L6s. And when you look at any organization, you know, if you think of like your board as L1, every step down you go, when you get to the L6 layer, those are the people that know how business works and how it runs. If you're not down there understanding from the L6 what it is that they do and how things work, you're missing it, right? That's where you need to focus. Communicate, one of the things I say all the time is state the obvious, and it sounds so just silly, but it's the most powerful thing we do. Like I come to meetings all the time that people are talking past each other and they all, nobody wants to appear like they don't know. So I'm like, stop, what are we doing? What's our why? State the obvious, say what you're, what you're intending, what do you hope this outcome's gonna be and get it all on the table. It is transformational and it's so simple. And then provide equity and not equality. And by that, what I'm saying is when you're looking at functional areas and you need to, to maybe do this change, you might have an area that is so rich with talent and they've got this. Well, then you need to take and spend the effort and kind of that change capital in the areas that it's gonna fail if they don't get the support and effort and resources they need, right? So be mindful of that. Don't just say, you know, we've got these five things and everybody gets one. I mean, one area might need three and, and that's okay. And you need to, as a leader, help people understand that and make that happen. And that's it. So last slide, I mean, I'll turn it back over to Doug. I know he needs uh, five minutes, so you got it. Thank you. Thank you.